God loves you. God wants good for you. I've been gone six months, six years it feels like. Along the way, honestly, not knowing, there are times not knowing that this day, this moment would ever come. But if it did come, I asked myself what would be the most important words that I'd want to come out of my mouth. For me, this is a holy moment. And without any doubt, they are those three phrases. God is good. And he loves you. And God wants good for you. These words are important for at least, at least two reasons. First, because if those words are true, then all those other things we're holding on to and that we're hoping for, then they become possible. If God is good, then forgiveness is possible. Grace is possible. And, and, and second chances are possible. All things become possible and available for you and me if God is good. The other important reason I needed for those to be the first words to come out of my mouth is because sometimes when life gets really dark and confusing and painful and someone says something like God is good and he loves you and wants good for you, it sticks in your throat and you wanna go, no, he's not. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like God is not good? You ever felt like he's just mean? And he doesn't or mustn't love you anymore because what's happening around you cannot be defined in any way as good. And if he loved me, he'd change this. And he, and he isn't changing or helping or doing anything. So do the math. God does not seem good sometimes when what's happening is bad and I can't make it stop. Anybody else? I was talking to my friend Lisa the other day and she said this. It was really profound. She says, Jim, the opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. When you feel like this... What you want doesn't matter, and what you're saying, nobody is listening, and what you need, nobody seems to notice or care. Welcome to the opening weeks of my sabbatical. <laughs> I went on sabbatical to get some rest because I was worn out. I shared that with you. I was exhausted emotionally, spiritually. But it, honestly, it began as the least restful six months of my life. But eventually, I did rest. Here's what's weird about this, is that a few days ago, I was sitting on my cabin porch where I have spent hundreds and hundreds of hours alone, just sitting there thinking and praying and crying and arguing with God, mostly just, just um, head trash. You know what I'm talking about? Just imaginary conversations in your head because uh, I just don't understand what's going on. But I was up there a couple weeks ago and I got really sad because my sabbatical's over. Weekends are amazing. It's, uh... <laughs> here's, here's what I mean. This has been the hardest six months of my life, but it's been the richest, most life-giving journey with God and, and my wife. It's a journey that took me kicking and screaming down a road I didn't want to go on. I didn't want to do this. It led me back to this spot today where I can stand up here and say with confidence that God is good and he does love you and he wants good for you even when it feels like he doesn't. If you've been around Flatirons uh, a while, or if this is your first time and you're just confused, uh, who's the crying handsome guy? Me. Uh, <laughs> I haven't changed. Uh, 
If you stick around, you're gonna hear one of us say this. Uh, we call it our mission statement. It says this, look at the screen. We exist to bring the awesome life of Christ to a lost and broken world. That's why we exist. And so I wanna clarify that because it could be heard or thought of in a kind of a condescending way that somehow we flat irons claim that we have figured it all out and now we're gonna fix lost and broken people out there, which could not be further from the truth. See, you can be lost and broken in many different ways in different parts of your life, right? You can be lost from God, and maybe you come here, or maybe it happens somewhere else, you, you encounter, we call it, you bump into Jesus, and you ask him, Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior, and you can be forgiven and saved, and you're no longer lost spiritually, but you still get lost in life, can't you? you get lost in your marriage, and parenting, and relationships, and get lost in your addictions, get lost in shame, fear, and insecurity, and you can be forgiven for any and every sin that you've ever had, you know, committed in your life, but you can still be a broken person because you're forgiven, you're just not healed. Either because your own sin has broken you or somebody else's sin got dumped on you and now you have to, it just broke you. And that's who we are. So lost and broken people is not exclusive to people out there. We is lost and broken people. And I'm saved, but I got lost by my own sinful choices and by the consequences of some other people's sin that fell on me and it came out sideways and landed on other people. So I'm your pastor, but I am a broken person. But here's what God's word says about that. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise, you will not reject. They put me on sabbatical kicking and screaming. They put me on sabbatical to get healthy, and I'll be honest, I gotta tell you, I'm not, I'm not healthy yet. <laughs> and eventually I got some rest. I'm, I'm healthier. I think that's, any, that's all any of us can really claim, right? Anybody fixed? I have my eyes back on Christ alone, and I'm still doing my work, and I'm still working hard, but I give you my, my promise. If you'll just give me another chance and risk trusting me once again to lead this church, I promise I will lead us to one place and one place only, and that is to Jesus Christ, because he is good and he loves us and he wants good for us, and I know. I know it's true. I know it's true because I did not read it in a book or I didn't hear some preacher preach it like I'm doing right now. I know it because I've been to the mountain and I met with Jesus and I can say with David, the man who wrote this psalm, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the person who takes refuge in him. It's our hope. I wanna, I wanna come back in January uh, and, and carve, and I'll keep going, I'm gonna keep coming back. Uh, <laughs> I wanna come back in January, and I wanna carve out the first three weeks in January to walk you through the three biggest learnings or the three biggest, like big rocks, big truths that God has been working in my life for the last six months. And I'm absolutely convinced, no matter what's going on in your life, and I'm sure your life is very different than mine, or not. I mean, maybe you were on sabbatical too, I don't know. Uh, but maybe your life fell apart for you. Um, these three truths have the ability to change everything forever. I, I don't, I'm not really gonna get into my story today, except I'm gonna give you one story at the end. Before that, I, I need to recognize some people and, and, and uh, honor some people. Uh, the Bible says to give honor who, to people who, who deserve honor because of the honorable way they have made themselves available to God. 
and how they've come along, uh, Robin and I, over the last six months. So you just gotta give me some time, all right? I, I wanna thank the elders of our church. Ben, ben said it well, this is not normal. And I've talked to literally dozens of pastors who just got thrown away by their churches and you don't have a church that has elders like that. I've never felt so loved in my life and so protected as the elders that you have leading me and leading, and leading this church. And I, I wanna say this because I know, I know over the next week or two, hundreds of other churches are gonna listen in on this talk and I wanna talk to the elders of other church. Don't try to make it up as you go. There are people around you and we'll make ourselves available to you because we did a lot of it wrong, but we figured it out. We never gave up on each, <laughs> I'm looking at one of them. Uh, we, we never gave up on each other. Don't throw your pastor away, please. Thank God for our elders. Give it up one more time for them, all right? You forgot to start the clock, I don't know how much time I have, I'm sorry, I'm gonna read. Um, awesome, we have a, 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 a lead team of four, uh, one lady and three men who lead our whole staff. Um, they lead an amazing, amazing church staff. You have the best church staff. I've been on staff at four different churches and th these men and women are amazing. So you make up, head trash, right? You make up stories and fill in the blanks with negatives usually. And I really, um, I, first time I walked into this building, I made up a story that they look at me and go, why are you back? Why are you here? You know what I mean, right? Um, I had 20 staff meetings uh, of an hour to hour and a half long. I met with every staff person uh, over four or five days long. long. And I, I really expected it to be the tour of shame. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was a tour of grace. They gave me such grace and such love and welcomed me back and they still welcomed me back. They have held things together um, because um, they love you and they love Jesus and, and they've taken care of, of your church very, very well. So will you just recognize the church staff because I, I wouldn't be here without them. Some key voices and people. I'm just gonna run through this really fast. James and Aaron Henderson, and you're gonna hear a lot about them and their life. He lives in Mexico City. He's one of our supports. He's one of my best friends, and, and, and he held me together. He has a lot of face, FaceTime where it was just, just, I'm yelling at a screen, and he's going, Jim, because he's so, uh, whatever. Harv Powers is my counselor and my sabbatical coach. You'll hear more about him. Uh, Jake Bodine and Dave Bar Martin with God Behind Bars. Um, I got my first official act that I got to do as the lead pastor of this place was last Monday night. I got to go out there and, uh, and welcome uh, those men and their families to this thing called All Is Bright. We'll share that with you next week, but it's, it's amazing. Um, some men stepped into my life. Scott Deemer, Scott Grubbs, John Pittman, Brock Craig, and John Walsett opened up their house to us. Patrick Garcia and Carl Kuhl and several other teachers got up here. Uh, Barrett Faubish, Adam Kyle Santino, my three amigos. Um, my good friend, Mike Bodine, uh, he's a pastor out in Las Vegas. Um, he's come alongside of me. Our elders described Mike as the first one to get Jim to raise his head back up and look to the future. So thank you, Mike. I wanna thank my new friend, Sean Johnson. He's the lead pastor at Red Rocks Church here in, in the Denver area. Um, so it's, it's really, really interesting is that, wait, you're gonna clap more in a second. Uh, is that Sean reached out to me in the opening days of my, of my sabbatical, but I was curled up in a ball and I couldn't really respond to him. Um, 
that was back in Memorial Day. He didn't know on Labor Day the same thing would happen to him. And that church is hurting. And Sean and I actually met the other day for breakfast down at Snooze down, downtown at Union Station. We're sitting at a table and we're like crying and the waiter thought we were breaking up or something. It was like, <laughs> it's like I know, I know. And uh, let me just correct some misinformation out there. Flatirons flat and Red Rocks are not in competition with one another. We are on the same team and we love each other and we wanna do ministry together forever. So, so pray for Sean and that church. They're having some leadership stuff, challenges, and, and Sean's getting ready to step back in and have this moment at Red Rocks. All right, he's a good, good man. Here we go. Above everybody else except for Jesus, I need to thank my family. Ben. Yeah, that was a weird day. Uh, so, buddy, uh, welcome to the deep end of the pool. Uh, and and you've, you've, you've thrived. You've done well. I told, I told the church before, give him a chance. He's a great, great young teacher, and you are a very great teacher. I think it's because you have a great wife. Al, you carried a lot. Um, you took care of him, you've taken care of me, and I'm sorry I almost killed your kids on horseback riding this summer. Um, they, they, um, I really cherish some of our talks and look forward to a lot more, okay? Um, I, wanna, I wanna thank my son Jordan and his wife Leah. Um, let me tell you about Jordan, because Ben's up here and you don't get to see Jordan. Jordan is my son, but this summer he became my pastor and he sat on my porch and he sat on my back patio and he spoke words of life and truth into me and I just sometimes look at him like, you gotta stop, man. It's just too much and he would just take such good care of me. Dads are supposed to take care of their sons. This summer my son took care of, of me and Leah, the conversations we had in the woods and the song that you gave me kept me alive. And you make pretty awesome kids. Um, <laughs> but you just give it up from you now. And God blessed me with a wife who is the strongest, most courageous person I've ever met in my life, who just sat with me and said, I know, I know, I know. And I, I, I could not have done this without you. I can't do it without you and I don't wanna ever try. I love you and I'm here because of you and I love you. You all owe her so much, all right? That's right.
one story. We're going to close. Anytime I go away for a time, I come back with some weird stuff. Um, I, I got something coming. Um, <clears throat> actually, I want to close our service with a, in a little different way than what we've done in the past, but I'd like to do it more in the future. So here's the story. So earlier this summer, I was up in my cabin, and Stefan, um, our Denver's campus pastor, he came up with me because uh, he, he'd drawn his first elk tag, and he wanted to, me to help him with his first elk hunt. And we, we sat on my, pa- my porch and talked for a while, but after one of those awkward silences, like, who's going to bring it up first? <laughs> Stefan finally asked me a question. I actually said something that, for me, uh, this summer was a, a turning point for me. And here's what he said. He said, Jim, if you know Stefan, he's like, I'll leave out all the language. But uh, uh, (laughs) Jim, here's how I see it. I think that when Scott left three years ago, you just threw the whole place on your back and said, I got this and it crushed you. And I sat there and eventually said, hmm. I never thought about it like that, but I had. And I knew that he was right. Scott Nichol was our teaching pastor uh, and my partner in ministry for 11 years here, and I loved him. I still do. And I talked to him earlier this week about, here, I'm gonna say this, I, he gave me his permission. I, I, I love him. And I never realized how much I depended on him and how much I needed him, but when he left, it hurt. But to admit that out loud felt like weakness or insecurity, so I put my head down and said to myself, I said, everybody around me, I'm fine, I've got this, I can do this, but I wasn't, and I didn't, and I've lived the, th- the last three years in a panic, trying to control everything so that I would not fail, and then six months ago, the wheels came off. I mentioned Harv Powers, my counselor and sabbatical coach, um, over the, the sabbatical, and one of our very first appointments with him, I, I, was, I was a mess, and he's just asking all the counseling questions, how are you feeling, and what's going on in your head right now, and I answered this, and some of you can relate to this. I said, I'm sad, and I'm scared, but for me, sad and scared comes out angry. But more than anything, I'm just embarrassed and ashamed, and I, I feel like I let everybody down. I thought I could do it, and I wanted to show everybody I could do it, and I failed everyone. And then I said something I'd never really articulated out loud before. I said this, it's so crazy. I said, I said, Harv, I have this imaginary conversation with God in my head and it goes something like this, that he would look at me and say, Jim, you're so strong and you're so good, you don't even need my help. How jacked up is that? I wanted to be so strong that I didn't need God. That's like saying I'm so strong, I don't need air. We were created to need God. We are created to need air. And the only people who don't need air are dead people. And in that moment, I realized that without God, I will die. A few weeks ago, I was sitting at my dining room table. I looked across the kitchen. I said to Robin, I think I get depression now. She said, what do you mean? I said, you walk around all the time feeling like someone just died. She said, yeah. Six months ago, in the first few days of my sabbatical, part of me died. And I thought my life was over because it felt like, felt like both God and the people in my life that I thought I could trust the most had betrayed me and abandoned me. But God was good. Even when I told him that he wasn't good and he loved me even though it didn't feel like it and he was doing good in my life even though I felt dead inside. My God is a God of resurrection and he has brought and he's bringing me back to life. My God Your God is the air that I breathe and I'm desperate for him and I am lost without him. 
We're gonna sing that in a minute. This is a Christmas series, so I have to tie this into Christmas. <laughs> ho, ho. All through the first two-thirds of the Bible, which makes up several thousand years of history, starting with the third chapter of the Bible, there's a promise that one day, someday, God would send someone, would demonstrate his love for his people by sending a savior, a Messiah, his one and only son. We now call him Jesus. And he would come and he would save people. He would rescue people. He would deliver his people from crushing darkness. And people held on to that hope that it will happen because he's good and he loves us and he wants. But a lot of time went by and it felt like God wasn't doing anything. Some people, and we've covered this over the last few weeks, some people were looking for God to send somebody who would save them, like, like in a, a political leader who would change society and make things right, and that didn't happen. Some people were told that the reason God hadn't come and saved them is because they're not worth saving, and if they tried harder, and if they just cleaned up their act a little bit, then God might help them. But after years and years of waiting, they begin to question and doubt, will God save us? And does he love us? And is he really good? The 400 years, if you have a Bible, the 400 years between the end of what you call the Old Testament and, and, the, and the birth of Jesus, they're, they're just known as silence. The time of silence. And if people prayed at all, they prayed prayers like this. How long? How long, God, must we wait? Have you forgotten about us? Are you there? And do you care? See, the world that Jesus was born into is no different than this world. Right? So how about you? Can anyone listening to my voice relate to any part of my story in their own life? Have you ever prayed, God, are you there and do you care? It doesn't feel like you do. Is anybody here living their life in a panic? Just getting out of bed, trying not to fail every day. Does anybody understand what it feels like to walk around all day long just feeling like someone or something has died and it's not coming back and you just grieve? Is anybody here exhausted from trying to prove to other people, trying to prove to themselves and to God, I'm strong, I'm good enough, and I don't need any help, but in reality, you are alone, and you're lonely, and you're suffocating because you can't breathe, and you're ready to quit, and please hear me. God is good, and he loves you, and he has not given up on you, and he wants good for you, and you could ask him to be a part of your life, like right now, and his answer will be yes, he will come to you right now. You can ask Jordan, Jesus, to, not Jordan, you can ask Jesus. <laughs> you can ask him to be your Lord and Savior and forgive your sins. You know what? He'll do it right now. You can also ask Jesus, I'm dying here. I just need you to breathe breath into me because I'm, I'm suffocating. In the worst moment of his life, Job writes this, the Spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. We're gonna go old school tonight. I grew up with a thing called an altar call. Can I get amen? amen? And here's what it means is, you don't have to walk an aisle, you don't have to come forward. You know, sometimes, you know what I need to do? I need to leave the space where I am and say I need a new life. And that's what that's about. Does anybody here need Jesus? Is anybody going, you know, I've been living my life for a long time by myself. This is my first time in church. I'm here because I lost a bet, but I came here because God had a plan for my life. Apparently, he wants good for me, and he has not given up on me. If you want to become a Christian tonight, you can do that right where you're sitting. Or I, or at all of our campuses, our campus pastors and our prayer team would be down front. You, the conversation is between you and God, but if you just, will you walk through that with me? You can become a Christian tonight. 
but maybe you're already saved. You're just lost and scared and in a panic, and you don't want to live life by yourself anymore. Welcome to the kingdom. This is what Jesus taught over and over and over. The kingdom is not far away. It's so close you can walk right in and never have to be by yourself again. God will live with you every day of your life, and you can be a part of this thing that we call, for the first time I feel good about it, church, family. If you just need someone to pray with you, you don't even have to tell us your name. I'm just going through crap. We'll pray for crap. <laughs> We're good at it because we have a lot of our own. Um, will you stand up with me real quick? I'm gonna pray, and then they're gonna sing this awesome song with these great lyrics. I'll be down here, there's people down here. Don't, don't, I have a shoulder replacement two weeks ago. If you hug me, this man will shoot you. Um, <laughs> I do wanna be down front and welcome you. Uh, not need to flatter, and something bigger than that. Kingdom of God is at hand. Everything's possible. Will you just repeat after me? God is good. And God loves me. And he wants good for me. Oh God, I know that's true. I do. But sometimes life gets so dark, all we can just see is dark. And sometimes life gets so loud, all we can just hear is the noise. And in this quiet moment, God, this holy moment, Will you just remind us of who you are and who we are to you and that you would do anything. You've done everything so that we get a second chance and a third one and not just that, a new life from above. And who would do that? No one but you. There's no one like you. And then you look at us and there's no one like you. And my response to you is love and grace and forgiveness and mercy. And I open my kingdom to anyone who wants to stumble right on in. We are a church of lost and broken people because our only hope is you, Jesus. And it's your wonderful name that I pray. Amen.